Welcome to the Barbecue Roundup, a weekly program that supplements the Barbecue Central show, which can be heard live each Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on thebbqcentralshow.com. I'm Greg Rempe, and this is episode number three for March 10th, 2016. Coming up in a few minutes, we'll hit this past weekend's competition results through the various sanctioning bodies, give you a look ahead at some upcoming events, and answer some listener email in the mail call segment. All this and more on this edition of the Barbecue Roundup. Let's get to this past week's news in the world of barbecue. The first report coming out of Olathe, Kansas, courtesy of KSNT.com. Republican presidential candidate Ted Cruz stopped at a suburban Kansas City restaurant for some barbecue before heading to a rally at Johnson County Community College. The Texas senator ordered a smoked brisket sandwich at Joe's Kansas City Barbecue in Olathe, Kansas on Wednesday and sampled some of the restaurant's ribs and burnt ends. Cruz shook hands with supporters and said he was looking forward to trying Kansas City area barbecue because his home state of Texas takes its barbecue seriously. He told a television reporter that the best way to eat ribs is with your fingers because if you're eating barbecue and you're not getting it all over your face, you're not doing it right. The next report coming from the DailyLobo.com, the National Fiery Food Show, happened this past weekend. According to Skylar Grigo, things got hot this past weekend at Sandia Resort and Casino for the 28th annual National Fiery Foods and Barbecue Show. The National Fiery Foods and Barbecue Show was an annual three-day trade show for those in the spicy food world, including but not limited to growers, vendors, and cooks. The show includes demonstrations of spicy food products and recipes, entertainment related to spicy food like pictures with Chili the Kid, and discussions of films and movies about spicy foods. There's also multiple booths presenting samples of all kinds of spicy foods and mild marinades and rubs to fiery salsas and barbecue. Dave DeWitt, president of the National Fiery Foods and Barbecue Show, said those planning to attend can expect a modernized convention this year in addition to the traditional vendor setup and entertainment. It's difficult for us to do cooking demonstrations at the Sandia Resort and Casino because they don't want us cooking in their rooms. We tried cooking outside in a tent, and we just couldn't manage it practically. So so this year we have multimedia presentations, DeWitt said. Demonstrations and presentations were held Saturday and Sunday by Jim Garcia, an independent restaurant and hospitality consultant. Kelly Urig, author of New Mexico Chili's History, Legends, and Lore. DeWitt and Kate Wheeler, owner of Savory Spice Shop in Santa Fe. This new modern aspect won't take away from those selling products during the trade times of the event or those providing entertainment, DeWitt said. There will be multiple booths exhibiting at this year's show, including Sadie's Volcanic Peppers and Pucker Bucket Pepper Company. For the full list of the 2016 exhibitors this past weekend, visit the National Fiery Foods and Barbecue Show's website. Starting in the Kansas City Barbecue Society, Bodegetta Barbecue in Auburn, Alabama took place this past weekend, winning at Hickory Prime Barbecue with a 691.37. Sip and Swine Barbecue Festival, a GBC qualifier in Lawrenceville, Georgia, took place, winning that one. Tommy Houston of Checkered Pig Barbecue, 692.5, took that one. Fire on Ice Barbecue World Championships in Isle, Minnesota, winning it totally sauced with a 693.6. And rounding out the KCBS competition this past weekend, the Sam's Club National Barbecue Tour was in Shreveport, Louisiana, winning that one all in queue with a 687.3. There was one competition this past weekend in the Florida Barbecue Association. The Eagle Lake Barbecue Fest took place and winning that one and making it two in as many weeks, Jim Elser of Sweet Smoke Q. 
I was able to catch up with Jim after the event and asked him, he's been able to string multiple back-to-back wins over the course of his career. How does that affect his mind or how does that help his mind as he moves forward? Getting that first one and obviously getting the second one, you have that momentum. You try to do the same thing, you repeat it perfectly. And I think, you know, once you, you know, you get that grand. I don't really take physical notes anymore because I'm doing this every week. So it's that mental note thing, what I did last week to win, especially if I'm going in the same area. You know, I try to repeat that perfectly. That has worked for me, not just this past weekend, but in the past, I've won several back-to-back. So I think that definitely helps, you know, getting that mindset of producing or, or doing the same thing, exactly the same thing you did the week before. I asked Jim, when you're able to string multiple wins together, back-to-back-to-back, are you going in expecting to win versus wanting to win? I I don't go into a contest expecting to win. I want to go go there to win. Uh, I don't know if there's any difference to that, but in my mind, I don't go in there and say, all right, I'm going to win this. Uh, This is a very tough game, you know, nowadays. I don't look at who's going to be there. I don't even even care who's going to be there because I'm producing uh, barbecue for just six judges and I'm not competing against any other team. I'm just going to produce the best I can for them six judges. Lastly, I asked Jim, after you've been able to string a couple together at the next contest you show up at, is there a palatable feel of the competitors looking at you, you have the bullseye on your back, they want to be the team that takes them down so you're not able to string that third or fourth contest together in a row? Is that something that you can really feel as a pitmaster? Oh, yeah, you feel that, you know, when you when you roll in, you know, okay, here's Sweet Smoke, you're going to win, or you always have a bullseye on your back. The teams out there are seeing or viewing you that way. You must be doing something right, um, because just in other sports, you know, you have a team that keeps winning and winning and winning. Obviously, you're going to have, not say haters, but people are, they want to see other people win. Um, definitely, you know that there's teams that haven't, haven't been doing this in a, in a while. They, they just see that, you know, the same teams are winning and winning, but, you know, it's, you definitely have a bullseye on your back. And, you know, I, I do feel that, and I, I don't really, you know, let that get that per, you know, take that personal. And I'm going in there doing my thing. And if you're interested in seeing where Jim's going to be at next, and try your hand at stopping his run right now, here's where he'll be at. We'll be uh, heading out to Bainbridge, Georgia, this weekend for KCBS contest. So we'll see if we can get that that three P at a you know KCBS contest. And closing out the competition results this week, we swing down to Texas. The IBCA had three cookoffs with three reporting. Sixth Texas Trophy Hunters, Bucks and Barbecue in San Antonio, Texas. 90 teams in the field winning that one, Rio Valley Meats. Then the Dickinson VFW Post 6378 in Dickinson, Texas took place, winning that one, take it to the bank. Then Republic of Texas Independence in San Angelo, Texas, or San Angelo, Texas, whichever is right. That's a state championship, by the way. 82 teams taking place in that one. Winning it, rubbing my meat. Let's swing down to the Texas Gulf Coast. One taking place. One competition, that is. Freedom Fest in Konkin, Texas. 49 teams there winning it. Los Slow Cookers Barbecue Team. For my friends that don't speak Spanish, that means the Slow Cookers Barbecue Team. And one event taking place in the Lone Star Barbecue Society. The Barbecue and Rodeo in Austin, Texas, that also is a state championship. 88 teams taking place, and taking the grand is KG Cookers. And now let's take a look at what's happening this coming weekend. 
Competition-wise in the KCBS, Flames on Flint, another GBC qualifier in Bainbridge, Georgia. Smoke on the Shores in Nashville, Tennessee. The Sam's Club National Barbecue Tour stops in Fort Worth, Texas. And Barbecue and Brew, which is a backyard contest in Fairhope, Alabama, will take place this coming weekend as well. A marquee competition will be taking place in Texas this coming weekend, the Turn and Burn in Pleasanton, Texas. There's going to be 200 teams, a $60,000 payout, and friend of the show, Doug Scheiding, will be there taking part as well. If you've always wanted to become a certified barbecue judge for the KCBS, there are a handful of classes being given over the course of March. On the 19th, there's a certified barbecue class in Lee's Summit, Missouri. There's also one in Warsaw, Indiana. On March 26th, you have classes in Stillwater, Oklahoma, Des Moines, Iowa, Dickinson, Tennessee. And the beginning of April, there's one in Gulfport, Mississippi. No competitions for the Florida Barbecue Association on their schedule. However, Rub Bagby of Swamp Boys will be holding a barbecue school on the 12th and 13th. To check availability for that class, you can visit SwampBoys.com. That's B-O-Y-S, SwampBoys.com. Welcome to the sauce review portion of the show. We're actually doing this live in my kitchen. I'm going to be reviewing two sauces. On the tasting table are Rob's Sweet and Tangy award-winning rib glaze, certified gluten-free. And we'll be reviewing Rob's Frog Sauce, award-winning rib. So both of these are award-winning rib glazes. One is Frog Sauce and one is Sweet and Tangy. So let's go ahead and get a review of the nose here on Frog Sauce. So I can smell tomato for sure and some of the spices. Some vinegar shining through. The nose is right up my alley. I love vinegar sauce. Anything that has to do with uh, more of the tangy aspect versus the sweet. There's no liquid smoke on the nose, so I'm going to give that a definite five out of five. And I'll go to the sweet tangy. Now, to be blunt, I'm no expert reviewer. So the nose on these smell relatively the same. So I'm guessing the differentiators are going to be when we actually taste them. So... Sweet and Tangy gets a 5 out of 5 nose as well since the frog sauce was uh, 5 out of 5 and they're very similar. Uh, now I'll do a quick viscosity check. Visibly, I can tell that there is uh, pepper and spice. You can see the chunks, flecks of flavoring in there as it coats the spoon very nice. Uh, it's a little bit on the thick side. It's not super thick like you would find in a lot of mass-produced Kansas City style sauces, uh, but it does coat the spoon very well. That's a frog sauce. And then uh, on the sweet and tangy sauce, again, visibility of the spice flecks are certainly there. A similar in consistency. Uh, this one might be a shade thinner, but uh, probably bordering more on just the same. So uh, this is, again, viscosity-wise, uh, right at my alley, not overly thick. So I'm giving that a five out of five. And now the most important part is the taste. So I'll taste it off the spoon first, and then I'm going to try it with a already prepared tater tot, and uh, we'll see how it tastes here. So first up is the frog sauce. Very big spice component right up front. Very little tomato flavor, very little. There's a, a vinegar component too, but the spice is really blasting me in the face. Um, I did warm these up, by the way, to release all of the, the nose and the taste and the flavors. I'm not tasting these cold. Let me try it again real quick. There's such a common flavor to this that I've had before uh, right when it hits my mouth and I can't place it, unfortunately. But definitely uh, spicy, medium spice, maybe a little less than medium if you're 
more of a chili guy, but you can chew the spices. They're very kind of rough cut, if you will. They're not fine. They don't really blend very well. And I'm okay with that. I actually like the, the textural difference. All right, let me go over to the sweet and tangy sauce. Give this a try. Yeah, so uh, way different flavor profile. Sweet and tangy. Certainly tangy uh, vinegar, but that uh, brown sugar sweet flavor is really first uh, appearing on the palate right off the bat. Let me take another quick taste. Mm -hmm. I see this on chicken all over the place. I see this on ribs all over the place. It is called an award-winning rib glaze, by the way, on the bottle. A pork, I'm not too sure about beef, but anything that would be good with a traditional barbecue sauce in your eyes, uh, I think would do well with this sauce. And now I'll try with the tater tot, first with the frog sauce. You know, the frog sauce is fading for me. It started out okay. There's just something a little disjointed for me on it. It's not terrible, but I was hoping for a little bit more uh, once I had it on the tater tot. That's a pretty vanilla vessel, by the way. So it's fading a little bit for me. Now we'll go over to the sweet and tangy. And I, I do have high hopes for this one, by the way. And maybe I'm finding out that my palate enjoys something a little bit more sweet. Not fake sweet, but just kind of brown sugary sweet. This one is, uh, the sweet and tangy one is, is by far my favorite out of the two. However, both of them are very good on their own. Again, this is Rob's Frog Sauce, award-winning rib glaze. Both are certified gluten-free. I'm going to give the frog sauce a three out of five. There's a few things that are lacking in it that I can't go for or better. However, the Rob's Sweet and Tangy Sauce, again, award-winning rib glaze, certified gluten-free. This is a five out of five sauce for me. Understand these reviews are done more or less right out of the bottle. I haven't cooked on them extensively, but first impressions mean a lot. So I'll definitely go back to the Sweet and Tangy Sauce and be trying that over the next few weeks as I cook. And uh, I will give Rob's Frog Sauce another try as we cook along here too. But initial reviews, three out of five, Rob's Frog Sauce. And Rob's Sweet and Tangy gets five out of five for me. I will make sure that I have the link on where you can buy these in the show notes. Once again, we tasted Rob's Sweet and Tangy, award-winning rib glaze, and Rob's Frog Sauce. Thanks for sending them in to be reviewed on the Barbecue Roundup. Let's go ahead and check out the mailbag this week. You've got new mail and it's not spam. And I get a question coming in from John Kelly. It says, Greg, it seems to me the drum smokers must be difficult to clean out, especially the 55-gallon smoker style. What tips do you have for cleaning out the ash and grime in the bottom of a smoker? To be specific, I'm asking about upright drum smokers or UDS like pit barrel, gateway, or homemade versions. Again, it seems to me that grease and crud would just collect in the bottom, but I don't know for sure. Thanks in advance for answering my question. Regards, John. Well, John, thanks for writing in. And instead of me just giving my own opinion on the best way to clean this, I've chased down some experts that will be able to give you the guidance that you actually need. First up is the creator of the pit barrel cooker, Noah Glanville. I asked Noah to give me the tips on the easiest and best way to clean out the pit barrel drum smoker. Really, the easiest way, and you know, the, the pit barrel is just inherently really easy to clean, practically self-sufficient. With the pit barrel being that it's porcelain coated on the outside, uh, we do a, a light dusting on the inside. Easiest way to clean the exterior 
is basically just with a damp wash rag or a small little towel. Wait till it gets heated up and you're basically, it's like the basic perfect steam clean. Wipe it around it all the way and it looks as good as new, really. So that's your outside. Moving to the inside, moisture and grease from the food will typically turn into what you call carbonized grease. And those deposits will build up and kind of bake on itself on the inside. So they're not harmful. They're, they're not toxic. Uh, but it's not a bad idea to remove them uh, with, uh, say, a wire brush when they start to look like um, they're peeling back. And as I call it every so often, it's almost like a, it, it wants to shed. And so sometimes customers will call and, and with any style cooker or pit and they'll say, well, it looks like the paint's peeling off inside. Well, it's not the paint. It's, it's that uh, carbonized grease buildup that's starting to peel off. It looks like paint flanking off. So at that point, really easy. Take a wire brush scrape that off. Uh, if you want to take it a step further, not always really necessary, but you can do uh, warm soap and water and brush it, but it's it's really not necessary to do that with, with the drums. That's about it. And then with the attachable ash pan that uh, we came out with uh, earlier uh, last year, we uh, you basically catches all the charcoal so that when the drippings go down, the ash and uh, charcoal catch it. And so that there's really no cleaning out grease traps or anything like that in, in the drum. And that's really what makes it nice. And then also part of the magic of the drips falling directly down onto the coals, causing that good smoke fog to come back up into the meat. So it's really self-sufficient. That's really the best way to clean it that we recommend. No, would you ever recommend somebody taking it to either a car wash or, or maybe they have some type of a power cleaner at home and really getting after it on the inside with one of those? Uh, no, I would not. I would not recommend that. I'm sure there's many people that think of all kinds of ways with pressure washers and things as a clean, but it really is not necessary. And and the pit barrel, a lot of the drums will tell you when they're ready to be cleaned. And, and they'll tell you when you start to see what looks like paint flaking off the inside, that's that carbonized grease. Take a wire brush, go over it, and you're good to go. That's really all that we recommend that you need to do. Now, what's the website people can check out the Pit Barrel at? PitBarrelCooker.com. We have a good video on cleaning and then several other videos on troubleshooting, great cooking videos and things like that. But PitBarrelCooker.com is where you want to go. And just for some more expert advice, I was able to chase down the creator of the Gateway Drum Smoker and credited tallest man in barbecue, Tim Shear. And here's his advice on cleaning out these styles of cookers. Yeah, so the best way to clean a gateway drum smoker is, you know, it's pretty easy. Everything we design on the, on the gateway is simple and easy to use. And that goes for the charcoal bath and uh, clean out as well. First of all, what you do is you take the uh, charcoal basket out and you shake the excess ash or whatever you had from your previous cook. Just shake it to the side. Uh, you want to make sure to wipe the bottom of the, of the basket because that can get some, some excess grease on there every once in a while. And then the best thing we found was we've got this handy little scraping tool. It's kind of like a mini shovel that we just use to scrape out the ash or a little bit of grease from the previous cook or whatever. It takes two or three scoops usually and it's out. You know, reload your charcoal basket, set it back in, and you're good to go again. It's really pretty simple. You know, if you're the kind of guy who likes to think ahead, I would recommend possibly putting a piece of aluminum foil on the bottom of the drum. And then all you have to do is pull your basket out and replace that piece of foil every time. That's probably the easiest way to do it if you're prepared to think ahead about it. Do you ever recommend steam cleaning it, like taking it to a car wash with a power washer or if you have a hot seat at home? Is that something that you recommend? Yeah, I've actually done that. What I've done is actually heated up some water in like a turkey fryer or something. Just get some get some, um, really hot water and you can use dish soap or whatever with it. Dump that in the bottom. That loosens up the grease real well. And then you just have to wipe it out or, or hose it out lightly. 
And then anytime you do that, you want to go ahead and re-season the drum right away. Go ahead and light a fire in it, burn out the moisture and everything so it doesn't start to rust. Do you need to coat it with any oil or anything like that or just the fire to dry it out? Yeah, I would recommend like a Pam cooking spray, you know, just a light coat of it would be just fine. And where can you get your smokers at online, Tim? You can obviously get them at gatewaydrumsmokers.com. We've got several other online dealers. Bigpilotsmokers.com is one of our favorites, so look us up. John, first and foremost, I really appreciate you taking the time to write in to the Barbecue Roundup. And secondarily, I hope the expert information provided by Noah Glanville and Tim Shear help you out going forward. If you're interested in either of these cookers, you can visit their websites at pitbarrelcooker.com and gatewaydrumsmoker.com. I'll also have their website linked up in the show notes. That's going to do it for this edition of the Barbecue Roundup. For updates during the week, you can follow me on social media on Facebook at greg.rempe. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at at BBQ Central Show. And you can add me on Snapchat, Greg Rempe, one word, G-R-E-G-R-E-M-P-E. Don't forget to tune in to the live Barbecue Central Show each Tuesday from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And until next Thursday at noon, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Thank you for listening. We'll be right back. 